0: Welcome. Welcome if you're new to Reality San Francisco. um, You're jumping in right in the middle of a a series called The Empowering Presence, and we're going to continue that on today. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John 3. We're going to jump right in. John 3, verse 1. It's going to be up on the screen as well. Says Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save through him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you're here this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the God of life and not death. That you are for us and that you are not against us. That you loved us so much that you came. And you came to redeem and to restore and to bring new life, new hope, to revive us, to refresh us, to resurrect us. And Holy Spirit, we want to say yes to you this morning and everything that you want to do in our community, we want to pursue you. We don't just want you, God, but we want the things that you do as well. We want your presence. We want however you want to show up this morning. We give you freedom. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, we are, we are jumping in this morning in the middle of this empowering presence series. We've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. If you haven't heard those sermons, I want to encourage you to go back and to listen Because this sermon today really builds on what Dave has been preaching over the last few weeks. So we've been looking at the Spirit. We've been asking questions about the Spirit. We've been talking about this supernatural life. We've been talking even last week about being filled with the Spirit and doing the stuff of the Spirit. But is it really possible for all of us to have a supernatural life? Is it possible for the everyday believer, Christian, to move in the things of the Spirit? To usher in the kingdom of God, just like Jesus did. Can we live like he lived? Is that really possible? We might have a lot of questions about how we access that kind of supernatural life. Well, we're not alone in our questions. Nicodemus also had a lot of questions about this kind of life. In the story that we just read, Nicodemus approaches Jesus at night. He's a Pharisee. He's a teacher of the law and a member of the ruling council. This man had power and privilege and prestige and religion. And some might even have said that he had life. He had a full life. He comes to Jesus at night and he has a question. But you see, there's a question behind the question. And Jesus always knows the questions behind our questions. So he doesn't really address what Nicodemus says, he just goes straight for the heart. This morning, Jesus is going straight for our hearts. He's always speaking to those deeper longings. See, what was going on in Nicodemus' heart was how do I access the kingdom of God? How do I live a supernatural life? I see you moving in signs and wonders. How do I get that kind of life? Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. Now being born again is is a term that many of us are probably familiar with, especially if you kind of grew up in the Billy Graham era, a lot of evangelists, this whole idea of being born again may be really super familiar to you, but this morning I wanna encourage you not to just see it as a Christianese, but to actually ask, what was Jesus talking about? What does he mean? What did this mean to Nicodemus? Well, I think that Jesus is referring to an Old Testament passage from Ezekiel 36. A Pharisee, a teacher of the law, would have been very familiar with this Old Testament scripture. Ezekiel was a prophet to Israel generations before Jesus came to earth. And in Ezekiel 36, the prophet is saying that there's a fullness of God. There's a life that you can have in God but there needs to be regeneration to access that. There's this whole promise of who you can be and the kind of people that God was calling Israel to be, but something needs to happen inside of you for that to happen. Ezekiel 36 says, for I'll take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. See, this is the kind of Old Testament language that Jesus is pulling from when he talks to Nicodemus. Notice that water and the spirit. See, what God is saying to Israel in Ezekiel 36 is, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to clean you, and I'm going to do something internally in you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to take all the idols, and I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And this was just so revolutionary at the time that Ezekiel spoke about this. A few weeks ago, Dave talked about the age of habitation versus the age of visitation. See, this word was given in the age of visitation. The Holy Spirit had not yet been released to inhabit God's people. He would come upon them, and he was present and active throughout the Old Testament. But it isn't until Jesus dies and rises again that the Holy Spirit is released to inhabit us. So God is prophesying. He's saying, this this is what's coming for you. You don't live in that age right now, but there will be a time that will come when it won't be your outside work that will change you, but it will be my internal work that will change you. This is a supernatural process that only God can do. He was saying, You need to be born again. You need to be recreated. I have two boys, and it's safe to say that neither of them participated in their own birth. Okay? First one came out nine pounds, 12 ounces. hmm. Wait, just wait, but wait for it. Second one, 10 pounds, five. <clears throat> yeah. I wish they had helped that process along, but they did not. They did not tunnel their way out. Let me tell you that. I got them out of my body, okay? (laughs) That is birth. We do not participate in our own births. What Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus is you need to be born again. No, you don't need to climb back inside your mother's womb. It's a supernatural thing, but it is an absolute gift. You cannot earn it. You cannot tunnel your way into the kingdom of God. It is not any more about your own effort to enter into God's kingdom and the supernatural life than it is for you to get out of your mother's womb. See, it's grace and not works. Some of us here think we can tunnel into the kingdom of God. We think that if we work hard enough, we think that if we're a good person, that if we're successful, if we check all the boxes, if we're driven enough, if we strive enough, that we can enter into the kingdom of God, but it's a gift. See, the spirit is given and not earned. I'm going to say that again because some of us really need to hear that deeper than our heads this morning. The spirit is given. He's not earned. And this is the whole premise of Ezekiel 36. God does the work. God's saying, I will cleanse you. I will take your idols. I'll put my spirit inside of you. See, in Nicodemus' knew Ezekiel 36 but he didn't understand it. We can know this, but do we understand it and have we experienced it? See, Nicodemus was powerful, privileged, he had authority. It's possible that for a while he thought that that was life, that was everything. But he got to this point in his life where he came to Jesus and he had questions. You see, the thing about idols in our hearts, they can convince us that what we have is enough. The life that we're living, this is life, this is everything. And that's why in Ezekiel 36, God says, hey, I gotta take those idols from you because you can't have my spirit and the idols. I'm gonna come and cleanse you, I'm gonna take the idols, I'm gonna fill you with my spirit. You see, an idol is not necessarily a statue or an altar, it's anything in our life that has more authority than God. Anything we're so devoted to, so committed to, so needing to appease, anything that directs our choices, our decisions, is how we live our life, how we spend our money, power, control, approval, comfort, security. These are the idols in our life. What is it you can't stop doing? What is it you can't give up? What sets the tone and the culture? of your marriage or your family? What's most important? What makes you feel anxious and uncomfortable when pressed? See, an idol pretends to be life. It says, focus on this, be devoted to this, and this will be life. This will be everything that you need. You'll be happy with this. You'll get what you want, money, career, success, relationships, perfection, comfort. And they take root in our lives, and they lie to us, and they say, this is life. This is life. They make us feel like we're in control, and we're secure. And really, they're just set up to protect these places of death. These places where God's life hasn't poured into us. See, idols don't want to be exposed. They absolutely want to convince you that the life you're living is all there is, it's good, don't rock the boat, this is enough. See, when an idol is threatened in our life, fear begins to kick in. We begin to feel a little uncomfortable, like you might be losing control. Like, wait, I'm supposed to like, give control of my life to Jesus? Like, that feels uncomfortable. That makes me feel fearful. What if I go pray for somebody during this empowering presence series? And what if I just get there and my mind goes blank and I, I just don't know what to say? That's really embarrassing. That makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to touch that. You see, there's that idol of comfort and reputation. What if I go and say, hey, I want to pray for healing for you, and they don't get healed, and then people find out that I'm like not powerful enough to do the healing, and like that's really awkward and uncomfortable. And there's that idol of comfort. And security. Well, they've invited people forward to come lay hands on people, but like I'm not that good of a Christian, and like people are gonna judge me, and then what will my CG think? And like that's gonna like make me feel uncomfortable. And so before we know it, comfort is an idol in our life. What if God makes me cry? What if God makes me cry in front of people? What if I go forward for prayer and snot comes out? Y'all are laughing because you know I'm true, this is true, right? (laughs) This is the stuff we think of. It's like, okay, there's this deep thing in my life, feels really painful, I kind of want to go forward, but I'm kind of feeling if I do, I'm going to cry, I'm going to be embarrassed, I might end up on my knees, people might be watching, and the idol sits on its throne, and we don't move. We stay there. We stay in our places of death and brokenness. So Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, how can you be a teacher of Israel and not know this stuff? How can you like? How can you be a Pharisee? How can you sit on the ruling council and, and know the scripture where God says, I'm going to cleanse you and take your idols and then I have to give you new life? How, how do you not know this? How do you not know that the spirit comes to bring life into dead places? How can you not know that you need a resurrection? that you need a rebirth. You See that only the Spirit does the work of resurrection, only the Holy Spirit. What Nicodemus would have also known is that following Ezekiel 36 is Ezekiel 37. And Ezekiel 37 happens to be my entire like favorite passage in the whole of scripture. And if you don't know it, <clears throat> This is Ezekiel sharing a prophetic image that God has given him about Israel. And it's a valley, and it's filled with human bones. Not bodies, bones. And actually, scripture says that they're sun bleached, which means they've been there a really long time. I mean, these are as dead as as dead can be. And God is giving this image to, to Ezekiel, and he says, hey, can these bones live? And Ezekiel is smart, and he just goes, only you know that. Like, that's on you. And God begins to bring these bones together. So when you imagine that for a second, this valley of just bones, no skin, there's nothing there, just sun-bleached bones. And God begins to bring these bones together, and then the tendons, and then the skin, and there's this whole body, but it's not yet complete. Something has to happen. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered me, entered them, and they came to life, and they stood upon their feet, a vast army. See, the life wasn't complete until the spirit entered into the body. In the Hebrew, the word breath and spirit is so close, it's interchangeable. So what the writer is communicating here is you're not fully alive until the Spirit of God has come upon you and inhabited you and filled you. You can have all the pieces together. You can look kind of whole, but we need the inhabitation of the Spirit. We need to be filled. We need to be empowered. We need to be baptized in the Spirit. The prophet goes on to say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, my people... I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up out of them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I'm the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it. See, this is what Ezekiel 36 and 37 and this conversation with Nicodemus is all about. It's about new life. It's about the fact that we go down and we die, and then we have to be raised up. It's about resurrection. That's the word that we use when we talk about God bringing dead things back to life. Resurrection is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, as, a, as believers, there's a time we get to where we say, I want to be saved. I want to accept Jesus as Lord. Like there's like a spiritual thing that happens. Paul talks about us becoming a new creation. But you know, also we're in this time of like already, but not yet. So it's like we're a new creation, but we're being made new. We're saved, but we're being saved. God is ongoingly doing this work in our life. It's not all done at salvation. If, if you receive Jesus and someone told you it's done, that's it. There's nothing more. They lied to you. Because God is always about renewing us and refreshing us and restoring every single part of us. It's not one prayer. It's not one moment. It's a lifetime of resurrection. It's a lifetime of transformation. See, if you want to do the stuff of the kingdom, if you want to move in the supernatural, if you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, if you want to see Him come in your life and in your family and in your, in your workspace, in our community then we need to be resurrected in every part of us. If we want the life to flow out of us, it has to flow into us. See, there are places in our lives that still need to be breathed upon. There are places in our lives, that's kind of like that, that valley, like there's the bones and there's all the stuff, but it's like the life isn't there. And it can feel empty, and it can feel lonely, and it can feel dead. I've experienced a lot of death in my life. I've lost people incredibly close to me in my immediate family. There was a season of my life I struggled with suicidal thinking. I've experienced fear of death, nightmares around death. But there's one part of this story that I've actually never shared publicly before, but I'm going to share today, is that a few years ago, my husband and I experienced a miscarriage. And at the time, I, I didn't know anyone in our community that had gone through it. And as I started talking about it, I met more and more women that had experienced that kind of pain and that kind of loss. And it's incredibly painful to walk through that. And one of the things that I found particularly painful as a woman was that this place in me that's supposed to produce life actually produced death. And it took me many months to kind of unravel and work through that. It, in fact, it brought me to this place that was incredibly low, and at times hopeless, and, um, and, it was, and I didn't even know, there were, I, I hit to be honest with you, I hid from some people. I didn't know how to talk about it. I, it felt so overwhelming. It's taken about five years to even get to this point where I can share it here. It brought me really low, and maybe some of you can relate to that specific experience, but for others of us, You've experienced death in really tangible, powerful ways in your life. Maybe you lost someone that was really important, and maybe that has kind of overshadowed you. Maybe you were a child when you lost them, and it's just something you're still carrying, feeling the weight and the grief and the pain around. Maybe it's someone recently that you lost. Maybe you relate to the kind of suicidal thinking. Maybe you look back and there's been seasons of your life where you're like, man, I've been that low, where I thought it was just better to leave the world. You've contemplated that. Maybe you even tried that. Maybe you've been plagued by fear of death. Maybe you wake up in the middle of the night sweating and hot and, and feeling anxious because you think someone's coming after you to take your life. These are the kind of things that we deal with. And when we, when we deal with that kind of weight of death... It can feel so hopeless, and it can feel so chaotic, right? We just don't know how to like, go back and face some of that, like the grief, or the trauma, or the abuse. It's like this is a deep, deep place in our life, and it's like it takes years before we can even talk about it. It feels really painful, and really heavy, and really chaotic, and complex, and we find ourselves going, well, I don't even know where to start with this. You know, maybe you think, well, maybe I need some therapy. I wouldn't even know what to say to a therapist. It's like so deep, and it's so intertangled with my family and my story, and then there's this and that, and it feels so chaotic and so deep. But in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water, Some translations translate that to chaos, that the Spirit of God hovered over chaos. See, the Spirit of God is attracted to all the chaotic places in our life. All the deep, complex, nobody knows, I can't share this, it was 30 years ago, it's so deep, I can't even see the bottom. All of those places, that's where he goes. That's where he goes to bring life. See, you are not too deep. You are not too dark. You are not too chaotic or too complex or too weird or screwed up or odd or just like so much going on, I can't even put words to it. You are not too much for the Spirit of God. Because that's where he goes and he hovers in our life. And this morning I believe that some of you hear that right now the spirit of God is just hovering over a place in your life. And it feels like, whoa, that's a lot. I don't know if I even want to let him in there. Because if I open that Pandora's box, if I open that place of death or depression or pain, I don't know if I'm ever going to come out of that. Can any of you relate to that? That feeling like it's so deep. What if I go in there? What if I go in there and I get lost in there and I can't find my way out? What if God can't find me in there? Romans 8 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Listen. Listen to this if you listen to nothing else I say. God raised Jesus from the grave. You can be confident that he will also raise you. God raised the spirit of God, the spirit of life, raised Jesus from the grave. He was dead and in the grave and he pulled him out. You can be confident. This is his promise to you. He will not leave you there. If you feel like, oh, that place, I can't go there because I don't know, I can't trust him to pull me out. His promise is that he raised Jesus, he will raise you. He will not leave you there. Much like we go into baptisms today, we're going to put them under the water. We're not going to leave them there. They're going to come back out, okay? Jesus will not abandon you to that dark place. He's been to that dark place. He went down there and he came back and said, oh, can't hold me, can't hold you either. That's the power of the living God inside of us. Listen, some of us here today are terrified of being lost in that place. Terrified that we'll be overcome. Terrified that we'll lose our mind. Terrified if we go back to that place like, and, and give it all up and say, Jesus, come heal me. Will I, will I ever come back out? You will come back out. There is no grave that is too deep, and there is no tombstone that is too heavy that he cannot find you. He will come for you. Just like he came for Lazarus. They were like, where have you been? Where have you been? And he came. And he came, and he said, hey, Lazarus, come out. And this morning, the Spirit of God is saying to you, the life giver, the Spirit of life is saying to you this morning, hey, come out. Come out in every little place of your life. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning. Maybe you're here at church and you're like, I don't, I don't, I've heard about this thing, I've now experienced it. Jesus is saying to you this morning through the Holy Spirit, come on out. Come experience new life. Come experience new life. Maybe there's pockets and graves and places in your life. Jesus can find you there. Depression, suicide, grief. Nightmares, it takes a lot of faith to go down there to believe that he'll bring you back up. But that is what God is stirring in our community, faith, that he will not abandon you to the grave. There's a quote by Saint Cyril that says that the waters of baptism are both your grave and your mother, and I love that image. It's not just your grave, it's also your mother. You're being born again, there's a new life, there's something that God is pulling you into. But you see, the Holy Spirit doesn't just stop there in our life. He doesn't just come and say, you know, what? I'm going to resurrect you. I'm going to restore you. But he goes a step further because that's always what God does, right? He does something good and we say, wow, that's good. And God's like, no, it gets better. <laughs> see, he comes and he resurrects places in us that feel lost and dead and overwhelming and chaotic. And he's like, okay, I'm going to bring you back to life. Now you're resurrected. Go resurrect somebody else. You see, the spirit of God lives in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. If you are a follower of Jesus, he lives in you. That means we touch dead things and they come back to life. That means we lay hands on the sick and they're healed. That means we lay hands on people that are oppressed or depressed and they are delivered and set free. You see, this isn't just for us. We don't want to just become this stagnant pool of like, oh, it feels so good to be alive. No, it's supposed to flow out of us. It's supposed to flow out of us. John 7 says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within you. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given. Jesus had not yet been glorified. Listen, rivers of living water are going to flow from us. You see dry bones all around you in San Francisco? See dry bones in your family, in your community? You see places that you're just like, wow, sun bleached, no hope. Brokenness in my family for the last 50 years, not going to happen. I tell you, it happened on the carpet a few weeks ago down here. Depression, it's like a family thing in my, in my line. I'm not going to set free. Someone testified this week that they got set free from depression, from being prayed right here. Guys, it is happening. The Holy Spirit is moving. Let that stir hope and faith in you. Yes. He is not done. He has more. There is always more. There is always more. Where are the dry bones in your life today? Where are the places that you need to be regenerated, revived? Where are the idols? Where's the stuff that's been getting in the way, just like clouding, making you believe that like this is enough? There is a whole supernatural life that is available to you. It is not for the chosen ones. It is not for the ones that work hard enough. The spirit is given as a gift he has not earned. It's available for everybody here this morning. In just a moment, we're going to move into a little bit of an extended time of ministry, but I wanted to close with one other thing. Nicodemus was open. He was open to Jesus. He had questions. He was confused. He didn't understand. He leaves that moment, and he goes away. But Nicodemus pops up again, the very end of John, and he shows up at the cross with Joseph of Arimathea and he takes the body of Jesus and he wraps it and he applies spices. And this would have been a very public declaration that he was aligning himself with Jesus and the disciples. See, he needed that time to think, to journey. Maybe that's you today, maybe this is all new and you're like, whoa, it's a lot. I wanna be open, I wanna journey. If that's you, I just wanna say, keep going keep asking the questions, keep going. But there's another group of you here that I want to speak to this morning. And I want to challenge you. Sometimes we throw around this term, well, I'm open. I'm open to the spirit. I just want to be open. I'm open. And we're kind of open like, hey, you want to try that new restaurant? I'm open. <laughs> <clears throat> or, hey, just got matched in this dating app. What do you think? I oh, no, I'm open. Okay, some of you, this openness has become an excuse. G.K. Chesterton says, merely having an open mind is nothing. The object of opening the mind as of opening the mouth is to shut it again on something solid. (laughs) So hear me this morning say this in love, but some of you have been hiding behind openness. Some of you are hiding behind, oh, I'm just open. I'm just going to wait for the Spirit. You've been in our community. You've been hearing these things. And you know the Spirit of God has pressed you, but you've hidden behind, well, I'm open. I'm just going to wait for a sign. I'm going to wait for him to shove me out of my chair, carry me by the Spirit, and plant me on the carpets. Some of us are kind of like you go to a restaurant, you open your mouth, you keep shoveling food in, and it's dribbling out. If you don't close it and eat it, what have you gained? This morning, I want to say to you, and this is not everyone, but there's some of you, and you know who you are, that you've had your mouth open, and you've had your mind open, and this morning, the invitation is to shut it on something solid that is the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, I want this supernatural life. I want it so badly that I'm not going to wait for any more signs. I'm going to get up and I'm going to respond, whatever that looked like for me. I want to get serious. See, some of us are so afraid of being disappointed by the Spirit, we remain open. But there's a moment when we have to commit and say, you know what, I'm going to move through that disappointment and trust that God is who He says He is. Even though I have questions about my experience, even though I don't understand everything, Nicodemus didn't understand everything, at some point you have to show up at the cross and say, I'm here, I'm going to align myself with the Spirit. I want the Spirit, I want to pursue the things of the Spirit. Man, we want to be a community that's not just open but is aggressively pursuing a supernatural life. So if that's you this morning, there's a time to respond. There's a time to commit. The Holy Spirit is here and he's moving and he's working and we want to respond to that. All this week I've been praying. Prayer team have been praying, pre-service prayer. If you're new to our community or new to this series, we've been doing some active ministry time at the end, and we're going to continue doing that this morning. And we've been really trying to be sensitive to very specifically, who does the Holy Spirit want to meet with? Now, some of you are filled with fear right now. You're like, okay, this is the part where they get all weird. Um, No, (laughs) it's no. This is the part where God is going to breathe on you and bring life to places that feel complex and chaotic and too much. This is the good part, this is the really good part.